Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome to The Inner Life, where each day we seek to draw closer to the Lord together through your testimonies to God's goodness and your questions for our spiritual directors. My name is Patrick Conley. I'm in for Josh Raymond this week, and I'm pleased to spend this hour in front of us with you. As today we're going to talk about praying with the Scriptures Praying with the Scriptures, whether you're a longtime devotee of scriptural prayers or perhaps you're just starting out, you've never really done it before, I'm confident that there are ways that the Lord can lead us all on a journey deeper into His presence, especially as we converse with Him guided by His Holy Word. Well, let's start today's journey now by saying hello to our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo. He is currently pastor at Star of the Sea Parish in San Francisco. He gives retreats to Mother Teresa's missionaries of charity around the world, and he says he enjoys all outdoor sports. Father Ilo, good morning. Good to be with you. Ilo, good morning. Good to be with you. Good morning, Patrick. Good, great to be with you. Yeah, wonderful. Well, I'm I'm excited about the topic in front of us today, Father. I'm excited about talking about praying with the scriptures with you. Um, maybe a good place to start would just be um, what is. Let's start with the scriptures. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. Obviously, uh, the scriptures as we know them, the sacred scriptures given to us um, in and through. But what makes them sacred? Let's start there, Father. What makes them sacred? Well, the scriptures, the Bible is inerrant. That is, every word is without error and inspired. Every word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Those two words, as defined by the Church throughout the ages, set the Bible apart from every other book. It is written by people, by men and women, but the author is God. And so it's uh, has to have a privileged place in a Christian's life, not just on the coffee table, but uh, through the liturgy, and in personal reading and study. I like that, not just on the coffee table. And that's especially around uh, these holiday times of the year. Yeah, when you're maybe you're taking a trip over to grandma's house or something like that. Oftentimes you do run into that that big Bible that's up on the shelf or on the coffee table, as you say, Father. But um, it takes cracking it open and getting into it, doesn't it, in order to for it to do its work in our lives. And what would you say, Father, what would you say specifically, what is the Scripture's role in our lives? I suppose there are many, but how would you summarize it? I think the Scriptures most fundamentally provide peace and joy. The Word of God is His love made audible to us, or or at least uh, when we read it, we can uh, see it with our eyes. And so, instead of just thinking vaguely about God's will and his perfect plan for us, by reading and studying his word, we know what to do and 
how to think about current events in our lives in the in the world. So it's it really gives a peace and joy to those who soak themselves in sacred scripture. Without it, we are nervous and unsure of ourselves, not confident in our, in our Father's love, in the reality, the fact of the incarnation that is God's Son came to earth and died for us, rose for us. Reading the scriptures daily, or at least a few times a week, convinces us of these truths and gives us a real peace and joy. Mm-hmm. And you actually anticipated my next question, Father, which was perhaps there are people who are listening now who really, and I know that this is a common sentiment, they they feel like, yeah, you know, I don't even know where to start. I mean, where? how do I even get into the scriptures? Because it seems like, you know, yes, we can, we can uh, hear the word um, proclaimed at Mass when we go to Mass, certainly, um, but oftentimes that seems to miss a contextualization piece about where we start. Or if we sit down to read the Bible, I know I've done this many, many times, sit down and you start, uh, you know, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. I start right at the beginning, and I make it, uh, in my better days, I make it into maybe uh, maybe Leviticus before I just kind of give it all up. Um, so any suggestions as to where to start if for people who are not as familiar with the Scriptures? Sure. I have the same experience as most Catholics, yourself and others. The Bible is like a big, impenetrable fortress. Right. You don't know how to right. get into it. And I, when I was in college, I visited a monastery in upstate New York that had a big Bible, the Jerusalem translation, and it was illustrated, I think, with paintings by Salvador Dali, or I'm not sure, mm. but... Um, the I started reading the book of Revelation, the Apocalypse, and there were illustrations, and the, the uh, translation made sense to me. And it was the first time, also it was a big book with large print, something I could take with my hands and, and see with my eyes. And it was the first time I realized that the Bible is speaking to me personally, and it's possible for me to understand, to get inside of it. Now, I didn't pick up the Bible for another few years after that, maybe two more years. And then I I decided if I'm going to be an educated person and a faithful person, a person of uh, belief in the Word of God, I have to read the Word of God. I have to read the Bible from cover to cover. So I went down, I was I was just starting in San Francisco a uh, job after uh, got graduating from college, and I went down to the Catholic bookstore and, and bought that same translation that I had met a few years earlier, the Jerusalem translation. Remember, I paid $10 for it, which was a lot of money back then, and took it home, and I began reading it and studying the maps and the footnotes and the introductions. So I spent a year reading the Bible from cover to cover. But the first thing where you start is a a Bible. You have to get a Bible. (laughs) You have to get a Bible that you like, that looks good, that that attracts you with with the the font size that you like, with a translation that uh, speaks to you, Um, just the amount of uh, commentary and and, and, uh, footnotes that without too much. So you have to, uh, I would, look at different Bibles. Now, I want to talk about 
introductions to the Bible, Bible in a Year. Father Mike Schmitz, for example, has a, a good right. program, yeah. a podcast. So there are all those things as well. But the big, the first thing you have to do is get a Bible that you love, that you're not afraid of. So step number one. And we can get into the uh, the rest, the supporting resources, if you want, or, or talk about that later. Sure. Well, we got we got step one down. Let's uh, let's continue on from there for now. So we have uh, we find a Bible that we like. We like the looks of the feel of the size of the font, the font of the text, and that, all, all that sort of thing. So um, yeah, then then what? Uh, Genesis one, or do we go somewhere else, Father? Well, there's a there's a lot of ways to do it. I I just think reading starting with Genesis. Because, well, it's the beginning, right? Genesis was right. the beginning, but it it because so much of the rest of the Bible it builds on itself. The New Testament is really not understandable without the Old Testament, and the Old Testament begins with the creation of the world. So, you know, in the liturgy, the the Easter Vigil. By the way, if you've never gone to an Easter Vigil with the entire nine readings. Mm. A lot of mm-hmm. parishes will abbreviate, you know, maybe you're allowed to do maybe six out of the nine or five out of the nine. But try to get a, a vigil where you spend an hour listening to the whole sweep of the Bible in the liturgy. And it, it begins, of course, the first reading in the Easter vigil is Genesis chapter one. The creation of the of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to start at the beginning. I, that's what I recommend. Now, the beginning for Christians is also the gospel. So you could begin with the New Testament by reading, say, the uh, chap- the uh, Gospel of Matthew or one of the other gospels. But you do need most of us need a little help. Mm-hmm. So you, if you get a Bible, even to get a Bible that you like, maybe you need some help doing that. And so there are these um, commentaries, and and uh, for, so I've heard a lot of good things about Father Mike Schmitz's uh, Bible in a Year. He's a he's a gifted speaker, and uh, really a, a heart for the scriptures. And so I have I haven't taken his course or, or looked too much into it, but uh, I've heard really good things about that. In another parish, we had the uh, Jeff Cavins uh, Great Adventure Bible Series, which is a yeah. video series and uh, a lot of people we, we repeated that about five times for uh, it's a uh, I think it's about a 12-part series mm-hmm. so with video and then and then the commentaries and such those are good ways to get your feet wet to mm-hmm. it's like an, an appetizer or gives you an overview of the scriptures as I say spending an hour in the Easter vigil with all nine readings from Genesis to Revelation is another way to do that but ultimately it's the fruit is borne by consistent and disciplined reading of the scriptures sure. personally. Yeah. We get it in the, in the Mass, and I, I'll talk about that a little bit later, how the Mass is really the most fundamental experience of the Word of God. But it's not going to make a lot of sense if we don't personally apply ourselves to study and reading of the scriptures prayerfully on a regular basis. Right, right. We're speaking today with Father Joseph Ilo, our spiritual director here on The Inner Life, and we're speaking about praying with the Scriptures. Um, So far, we've just been really talking about acquainting ourselves with the Scriptures, getting familiar with the Word of God in uh, in the things that we've done. And if you'd like to join the conversation and 
Give us a story about how the scriptures have played a significant role in your life, specifically perhaps your prayer life. How has knowing scripture brought you closer to God? How has it affected your spiritual life? Maybe there are scripture passages that you turn to again and again in certain times when you encounter certain struggles or certain joys in life. Um, call us up, share that. We'd love to hear from you. Our number here at The Inner Life is 888 Again, 888-914-9149. Or you can send us an email as well, innerlife@relevantradio.com. Father Ila, let's uh, let's move a little bit in the direction more specifically about tying scriptures into our spiritual life, into our prayer life as well. Um, I I certainly agree with what you've said in terms of you need to become familiar with the scriptures, um, regular exposure to the scriptures, kind of a daily time set aside to read the scriptures and draw close to that. Um, and in the midst of that, I mean, I don't want to completely polarize studying the scriptures and prayer, but there is a bit of a difference, I think I would say, between uh, studying the scriptures and then utilizing the scriptures in our prayer life. Would you agree with that? Certainly. You don't just want to be uh, a student of the literature of the Bible right. as if it weren't, you know, a dead, if it were a dead letter. You don't read the Bible as you would a scientific manual or even a good novel or poetry. It is all those things, but it's a living, it's the living word of God for us. So it needs to be prayed. And as I mentioned, the the Holy Mass is the fundamental context for hearing and reading the word of God. So we begin by, by the Mass, by the Eucharist. Do you know the Bible in its written form followed, I mean, it, it post-dated the Mass. So the Mass came before the Bible. Mm. And in some ways, the Bible was written down to document the oral and uh, written texts that were already in use in the sacred liturgy. Mm. So the, the context, the frame of this precious jewel of the Word of God is the Holy Liturgy. Sure. So we begin there, and, and that's the most fundamental way of praying the scriptures in, in the Mass. But also then to unpack that, to uh, go deeper into the, to make it our own, requires a prayerful study of scripture. So reading, but also a great treasure of the church, undiscovered by many, is the liturgy of the hours. Well, but the priests, priests make a, a vow, a promise to pray the breviary or the liturgy of the hours five times a day. And uh, sadly, many priests kind of uh, get a little bit lazy about that. But it's really the nourishing scriptural, uh, the grounding of a priest is his breviary. We call the breviary our wife because mm -hmm. it's always with us. Mm -hmm. uh, five times a day we pray this breviary. Now, a lot of guys pray it on the phone now, and that's great, I guess. But... Uh, to have a, a book, a breviary, with it's basically all scripture. And most of it's the Psalms. So the, to pray the scriptures even most perfectly is the Psalms, the 150 sacred hymns of the Jewish people, which Christians have made their own. Mm -hmm. So a way to pray the scriptures on a daily basis uh, other than just reading your Bible from cover to cover or spending a time with it, a chapter of a day perhaps, is to pray morning prayer, what we call lauds, 
the, the from the liturgy of the hours, the breviary, or uh, and maybe perhaps also vespers or one of the other, the two uh, most important prayers of the day, other than the mass, are morning prayer and evening prayer from the divine liturgy, the uh, divine office. Mm-hmm. Right. As I say, that's mostly psalms. So even if you don't do that, for example, some of the monthly devotional magazines like Magnificat mm-hmm. have a scaled-down version of the breviary. They have just one psalm instead of three. The older breviary had five psalms, and then after Vatican II, three psalms. And then there's a, the, for kind of for lay people, like Magnificat has one psalm, one short scripture reading, and a hymn as bookends of the day, morning and evening. Right. And it's a great it's a great habit to get into to just set that rhythm in your life. As one priest once told me, you know, you need to get into that rhythm and just let it seep into your bones. We're speaking today with Father Joseph Ilo. Uh, he is currently pastor at Star of the Sea Parish in San Francisco, and he is our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life as we speak about praying with the Scriptures. If you have a story about how the Scriptures have affected your own prayer life, your spiritual life, how have the Scriptures brought you into closer relationship with the Lord. Are there certain passages that you return to again and again? Maybe there are. Father, you were just talking about the Psalms. Maybe there are favorite Psalms that uh, give comfort in times of trial. Give us a call. Share your story, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll hear more on from Father Ilo on praying with the Scriptures. Stay with us. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life. We are so pleased that you joined us today as we are speaking with our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo, who is pastor of Star of the Sea Parish in San Francisco, about praying with the scriptures. Is there Are there scripture passages that are particularly meaningful to you that you return to again and again for comfort and consolation, perhaps challenge it, perhaps it uh, drives you deeper into Jesus and living out his call in your life? Uh, give us a call. Share your story. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Again, eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. Father, uh, you had mentioned mass is the fundamental experience of the scriptures, and that scriptures. You were making the point that actually um, the mass predates the scriptures. That a lot of the scriptures kind of flow out of the practice of the prayer, the corporate prayer of the church. Um, you also mentioned the breviary, the uh, daily office as it were. We were talking about that as well. Wondering if you could turn the page, too, to uh, speaking a little bit about uh, a more a slow meditative reading of the scriptures uh, like we hear of in Lexio Divina, for example. Sure. Lexio Divina, uh, many of you have heard of this phrase. Literally, of course, in Latin, it means divine reading, divine reading of the scriptures, of course. It was developed by St. Benedict in the what was it, the 5th century, I guess, and then later, uh, by later, Benedict monks and other uh, doctors of the church, it was amplified into the form that we could say we have now, which is a four-step process. So Lexio Divina means step number one. Well, I, I would say there's even five steps. The first step is to calm down, to put yourself in a place where you can be attentive to the scriptures, so turn off all media, get a quiet place, a well-lit place, don't be sleepy, you know, put yourself in a 
position where you can engage the Word of God without distraction. So that's the preparation. The first step then after that would be reading, so lexio. Right. Read the passage for its literal meaning. And, and maybe here, you know, you can look at some footnotes and try to understand the uh, historical literal meaning. What is actually being said? Who are the characters if it's a narrative? What's happening? Second step, meditatio. So to meditate on what you just read, what, what are some of the deeper meanings? What is the Holy Spirit saying to me through this? What is it, how does it apply to my life? So spend a little time, you know, so maybe read it for five minutes, spend five minutes meditatio, meditating, unpacking it, letting it soak in. Third step, oratio, to pray. So, you know, to give thanks for this, to, to pray to God for help, that uh, you have said this to me through the scripture, now help me to live what I've read, to be, to be faithful to that. So resolutions, cries for, uh, and thanksgiving and help in prayer. And then the fourth stage, contemplatio or contemplation, where you just turn off the motor and let and sit with that scripture. Sit with your prayer. Just let God fill your heart and mind in absolute silence. Not reading the text again, not even thinking too much about it, but letting it uh, fill you with the Spirit of God. And that, what, so I those, those, that, and that, what I love about that. What I love about that. Go ahead. No, well, I was going to say what I love about that, Father, is that uh, it does open the door to a conversation with the Lord. Because, in my experience, anyway, lectio divina can be very conversational. You do hear from the Lord. Now, I don't hear an audible voice, but you do hear the Lord kind of guiding your attention into one particular area. Um, about how what you've just read intersects with your own life and then how it opens that up to to him and and uh, draws you invites you deeper into relationship with him that's been my experience of it that's right because the scriptures are the word of god but he's always inviting a response from us a, a conversation it's always a two-way street it's not just as right. if we hear but we spontaneously respond in prayer. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's go to the phones, Father. We've got a few phone calls that have come in, and just a reminder, listeners: if you if you have a favorite scripture passage, if you have a way that you have uh, grown in your prayer of the scriptures, share it with the rest of us. Give us a call: triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Let's go to Bob, who's calling in from Burlington, Wisconsin. Bob, welcome to the Inner Life. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, sure. I just wanted to say that I've been reading the Bible probably the last maybe 10 years. And uh, thanks to Relevant Radio, who's kind of guided me through this. I, I was kind of confused when I started reading the Bible because I read a Bible that was very dynamic. And then I went to a Bible that was less dynamic and more literal, and I got thoroughly confused. Um, I do live in Florida in the wintertime, and I'm just back now for the Christmas holiday. And down there, I'm studying the book of Romans. And it's hard because we may spend a whole week on just one verse of the mm -hmm. Bible. Um, but, uh, but for my pleasure reading, I read the Dewey Reams, and it seems to be drawing me closer to God and a better understanding of what I'm really involved in. And it's kind of exciting. But I, I thought about this a long, and I, a long time, and I think the best thing I could have done before I even got started reading the Bible was read a read a book called the, 
the Bible is a Catholic book. And it kind of gives an overview of the whole Bible, and it says how it got started, who did the writings, what type of Bibles there are, and it kind of then made more sense to me why I was reading in the Catholic Bible one thing and yet in another Catholic Bible something a little bit different. And But I, I just enjoy it. It's, it's totally a piece of heart to me and draws me closer to the good Lord and gives me confidence in what I'm doing and in direction. So that's my comment. That's right, Bob. Thank you for that, because the Bible is a complex library. You know, it's not one book. It's it's 63 books written over a mm, thousand year span of time. So with with many different authors, I should say one author, God, but many different writers. So to get a overview of the Bible is very helpful. I think at some point, whether you start just by diving into the Bible or um, you want to read this before, at some point you, you should read uh, an overview of the Bible. And so uh, Bob, if you're still there, what was the book again you recommended? Uh, it's called The Bible is a Catholic Book. Do you know who publishes that or the author? Yeah, that's uh, I've got you know, it here. I, it's it's uh, Jimmy Aiken's uh, book. Uh, Jim, Jimmy Aiken, it could be it, right? But I was yeah. I was surprised to read that. In fact, I now have four different types of Catholic Bibles. You know, the literal, which the Dewey Rings, which I'm reading. One that's less literal, one less dynamic, and one that's very dynamic. And yet, we as Catholics in my study class in, in the Book of Romans, I'm, some people are reading certain things. And I'm thinking, good Lord, I'm not picking that up in my Bible at all. And, and now it makes sense to me why, why we have these different interpretations and things. So, But I just enjoy it. It's just such a pleasure to read the Bible and to know. In, in fact, when I read the Bible... I've kind of been spurted on to read other books. And I read a book about our Catholic saints and uh, about the first mass. And that was so exciting to read the first mass written in 150 AD. You know, I think, holy smokes, you know, <laughs> that was, that was cool. That was good. So. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. What you're referring to, Bob, all are the different translations of the Bible. And some are more literal, some are more, uh, you stay dynamic or, uh, you know, user-friendly. So it, it, it's important to understand the reasons for different translations and the ones that are out there, also the different editions of the same translation. So there's, there's hundreds of different Bibles, editions, and translations. To know about that is, is important to understand the Bible, yes. Yeah, very good. Thank you, Bob. Thanks for the thanks for the call. Thanks for the the story and the testimony. Yes, that you just love reading the scriptures. That's always good to hear. It's always good to hear. I know, um, especially at a specific time in my own life, there was a time when I just could not wait. This is it may sound kind of strange, but it's true. I could not wait because I read I read a chunk of scripture right before going to sleep, and I could not wait to get crawl into bed and then pick up the scriptures and and read. And uh, it's always good to hear that uh, others have had that experience as well. Let's go from Bob to Christine, who's calling in from Fresno, California. Christine, welcome to The Inner Life. Thank you very much. Um, this is such a profound day to do this. Today is my birthday. Oh, happy and birthday. my story, thank you, is about Psalm 23. So as I was telling the gentleman who took my call, 
Um, on the maternal side of our family, I was born as the first grandchild of my grandparents, both who were born on the 23rd of their respective months of birth. And my great-grandmother on that side was also born on the 23rd of that month. So in our family tree, four of us with four different months of the year with 23rd as our day of birth. So Psalm 23 has resonated with me as long as I can remember. (laughs) So every time we have the responsorial Psalm, Psalm 23 in Sunday Mass or Daily Mass, it's very meaningful to me. And when it's set funerals and so forth it's just it it just touches me like no other psalm and believe me i've had a priest a spiritual director who has given me penance of psalms and it's just none of those i've prayed are just quite like 23 is for me so that is my psalm story today Thank you, Christine. You know, I, pray, I I know Psalm 23 by heart. And so when I do uh, communion calls, sick calls in the homes, I will always pray that prayer after the person's received so, uh, you know, so they can have time to, you know, re- digest the Lord. And then I move into the final prayer. But that's my go-to psalm for uh, communion calls. It's, it's, of course, one of the most beloved psalms in the whole Psalter. Thank you for that, Christine. Yeah. What a what a great uh I there's the Lord was doing something there with the number 23 in your life, Christine, and uh that's uh th- I appreciate so much that you you telling us that and that you have a a favorite psalm that way and uh yeah, certainly the psalms are are they speak volumes to us and you can find an expression for just about every uh experience in life or every uh emotional experience in life there in the psalms from joy and and celebration to trial and tribulation and everywhere in between. So happy birthday to you, Christine. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, Yeah, let's take another phone call here, Father. Let's go from Christine to Rose, who's calling in from Brooklyn, New York. Rose, welcome to The Inner Life. Oh, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Um, Yeah, I have a question about the Jerusalem Bible. Back in the 70s, someone gave me that gift because I was kind of coming back to the church and I got that as a gift, and I thought, how wonderful. And I, I was reading it, and I was loving it, and I loved the translation for for a number of years. And then I became a lector, and then they told me, no, we don't use that anymore. It's uh, Don't use it. It's not, you know, I got a lot of negatives about it. Of course, you know, they're using the Revised Standard. So I'm wondering, what is the kind of the status of the Jerusalem Bible? Is it, you know, is it acceptable? Is it is there something wrong with it? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Rose, for that question, because for me, the Jerusalem Bible is mother's milk. It's the first Bible I read cover to cover. And I, so it was revised. So there's a new Jerusalem translation, which I don't find as wonderful as the original. The original is fine. Now, there's always more uh, scholar scholarship discovering different things about the Bible. Uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls were the most monumental advance in scriptural scholarship, but the Jerusalem Bible took account of those. Now, some of the Dead Sea Scrolls are 
uh, continually being uh, discovered or re you know translated. So there's been some work since the Jerusalem was done. The Jerusalem was done, as you can imagine, in Jerusalem by the École Biblique, the great French-speaking school of scripture study, and it was um, put. It, it, it used a lot of the Dead Sea Scrolls. So I just think the so the short answer to your question is the Jerusalem Bible is an approved translation. It's it's fine. It's not used in the liturgy. The the usual liturgy is the. Scripture is the New American Bible, revised. But um, I just find the Jerusalem Bible has a beautiful balance between literalism and uh, beauty. So if you get too literal in the translation, it becomes like a mathematical formula. It's a wooden, uh, hard-to-understand translation. On the other hand, if you're too poetic, then you lose the a precise literal sense. I think the Jerusalem has a good balance between that. And one of the one of the reasons I love it also is because one of the editors was J.R.R. Tolkien. Now he helped in the translation from French to English, the English version of the Jerusalem translation. But with people like Tolkien working on the English version of that translation, you can bet that it's got a good sense of, of, of the beauty of the English language. So I'm all for the Jerusalem Bible. Rose, are, are, Rose are you still uh, are you still reading your Jerusalem Bible? No, I, I mean, it's on my shelf. I'm just, I'm just pulling it out as he's speaking right now. Okay. Um, no, I went, you know, I mean, I have the, uh, you know, what is it, the... Uh, the American, the standard, the, yeah, the revised. Yeah, the new American Bible revised, yeah. And, yeah, that's the one I, you know, I read when, uh, I mean, I read, a, I mean, a lot of it is online or on relevant radio, on, you know, on the USCCB. So, um, but I'm going back to my Jerusalem now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I, I used to, I just thought, when I was preparing the reading um, for Sunday, I would always look at the after they told me don't use it, you know, not not don't use it. I'm obvious I couldn't use it, but I would refer to the Jerusalem to get a better understanding of the reading, you know, when I was going mm. to proclaim it. So that's great. Okay, wonderful. wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, well, thanks for calling in, Rose. We appreciate it, and appreciate your uh, your reading of the scriptures as well. Keep that up, will you? We're speaking today with our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo, from San Francisco, California on praying with the scriptures and different things we can do to incorporate the scriptures into our prayer life. If you have a story of how the scriptures have have uh, deepened your own relationship with the Lord, of how they have affected you spiritually, if you have some favorite verses or favorite psalms that you turn to in times of trial or in times of joy, please give us a call and join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. All right, let's let's uh, let's take a quick break, I think, and then we'll come back. We've got more people waiting online. If you can be patient, we'll get to you right after this short break. Stay with us. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union is a member of the Catholic Credit Unions of America. You can find more information and your local Catholic credit union at relevantradio.com slash banking.
life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley, and I extend my thanks to our producer, Nick Sentovich, and Jim Schaefer, who's taking your phone calls, and our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo, is today here on The Inner Life. We are speaking about praying with the scriptures. Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got Wendy, who's calling in from St. Paul, Minnesota. Wendy, welcome to The Inner Life. Uh, hi. Hi, thank Hello. you. Um, well, my I have a, a beautiful story, I believe. Um, I used to be the uh, spiritual companion in a hospice. And when I would visit my people who weren't Catholic, um, I don't know if this is really true, what I'm going to say right now, but they didn't seem to know the Psalms very well. Because when I would ask them their favorite Psalms, they would say, 23rd. That's, everybody said the 23rd. But anyways, um, and then they would tell me that they wished that they had confession like the Catholics did. And so I came up with a little ritual for them. And I had them um, think about uh, what what it is that you would confess. You know, don't tell me what you would confess. Think about it prayerfully. And then we would say, I would say a prayer with them. And then I would read to them the miserere, but put their name in it. Hmm. So, you know, like um, if I was talking to Carol, I'd say, have mercy on Carol, oh God. In your compassion, blot out Carol's sins. And um, I would go through the whole thing, and they really enjoyed that. Um, So that's my story. I'm sticking to it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Wendy. The uh, personalization of scriptures is so important. So in any way that we can make this a conversation between the individual soul and the creator of that soul, between God and the person, is a, is a good way to make the scriptures sink into us. So part of also the Lectio Divina, the Meditatio, is to put yourself in the room or in the situation if if there's a story if if you're to put yourself as a little fly on the wall in the christmas scene or at the passion but also where there's no narrative like a psalm psalm 51 like you said miserere the the lord is speaking to you god is speaking to you in that psalm and and uh if putting your own name in there or somebody else's name helps that the lord is my shepherd, the Lord is Father Joseph's shepherd or Wendy's shepherd. That's that's a good thing to do. So you stick to that. Yeah, indeed, do do stick to it, Wendy. And thank you for the call and thank you for letting us in on that. I I do appreciate that very much, Father. What you both you and Wendy were saying about putting yourself into the story and recognizing yet again what we've already said, but this is a conversation, um, and perhaps most especially when we approach the scriptures as. Uh, kind of a grounding for our prayer. This is a conversation where we seek to hear from God and uh, and experience all that he is, his love, his mercy, his grace, his peace. And so just some wonderful things that can happen there. So thank you, Wendy. Thank you for that. Uh, let's go now to Emma, who's calling in from Eugene, Oregon. Emma, welcome to The Inner Life. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. One thing I have found very helpful in reading the Bible is reading the children's Bible. Um, I find it cuts out a lot of the stuff like the numbering of the tribes and all the rules in Leviticus and details of building the tent and Exodus and everything. 
that I kind of get bogged down on and forget the narrative. Uh, it really helps me to see, like, okay, Jacob and then Joseph and then following through the patriarchs and what was actually happening with them. Plus it has pictures, which I find very helpful. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Emma. I think a lot of people might think, well, uh, I should be reading an adult version and studying this with commentaries and Hebrew Greek translations. And, but, uh, <laughs> I'd stay with the children's Bible if you want to do that and maybe even use the children's Bible then in tandem with the full text. But you know, the lives of the saints are like the Bible extended through history and there are so many good lives of the saints, saints biographies for juvenile audiences that I, I'm 60 years old, I still read some of these uh, teenage lives of the saints, and I get so much out of it. It's obviously a lot less work, and there are pictures. For example, the Vision series that Ignatius Press is republishing of individual saints uh, for adolescent audiences. So in the same way, as we read saints' lives that are a little simpler and with bigger pictures, I think reading uh, v versions of the Bible that are geared for younger audiences, it's also very helpful. Whatever it takes to get into the actual Word of God. One cautionary, though, is that a lot of, uh, some children's Bibles, they, I mean, they don't have all of the Bible in it. They're, they're just um, summaries or abbreviations. So uh, just realize that if you are reading a children's Bible, you're not getting all of the text of the sacred scripture, and you do want to look at that at some point. Yeah, certainly. And uh, I I would agree too that the uh, the pictures they can be they can be helpful. I remember one of the first Bibles that I was given had some had some line drawings in it. At least they weren't fully illustrated, but uh, even those line drawings helped me to to enter into it a bit more. And that would be uh, that would be helpful to us. Sometimes we do need a little help in our imagination and in placing ourselves in the story, and that can help out as well. Jim here, Jim Shaper, our phone, uh, the guy who's on the phones today, is saying that he loved his uh, Catholic children's picture Bible when he was a kid, and now his kids love it. So great thing to pass along in that way as well. So thank you, Emma. Thank you for your call. Speaking today with our spiritual director, Father Joseph Hilo from San Francisco, California, about praying with the scriptures and the difference that praying with the scriptures can make in your own life. Uh, Father, I'd like to go back to, um, to Wendy's point about praying a psalm from a personal perspective and uh, just get a little bit more of your thoughts on that, specifically since the Psalms are indeed, they're oftentimes very personal. Um, they are expressions, they are prayers that are written in lyrical form. Um, what would you suggest or what might you suggest how a person might enter into prayer utilizing the Psalms? Well, there are some Psalms that are key, like Psalm 23 is one of them. But also uh, Psalm 22 which Jesus prayed himself during his passion. So uh, a psalm that David wrote in distress while he was being pursued by his enemies. So, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you far from my help? And so I, Psalm 22 should be meditated on in times of distress. Uh, psalm 27 is another one of my favorites. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? My life's refuge. Of whom should I be afraid? 
there's a lot of fear in the world today. And I every morning I read a chapter of the Bible. And I'm in the book of Isaiah right now, just starting from Genesis. I keep just going over and reading front to back over and over again. But a couple of months ago, I was going through Psalms. So one Psalm a day and or maybe two. But if there were short Psalms. But this one really struck me. It was during the pandemic, the thick of the pandemic and the political chaos. And I, I read Psalm 27 and I was so assured that the Lord is our refuge. Of whom should we be afraid? There's nothing to be afraid of. And reading those words on the page and spending a little time with them gives us such a wonderful sense of confidence in the, in the ways of God. So there are some psalms that are more key. Um, the first psalm, for example, uh, in which the wonders of God are, are proclaimed just in the, in the broadest terms, um, and those who follow the ways of God will never be confused or uh, disappointed. So I think um, some of those psalms you'll find in the Liturgy of the Hours. Some of them, of course, are used in the Holy Mass in the as a responsorial psalm. So pick out maybe five or six psalms that are your go-to psalms in different times of uh, either distress or joy or thanksgiving. Print them out maybe, put them on your uh, you know, in your bedroom wall or something, mm -hmm. your your office. So those right. are some ways we could, right. yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned knowing uh, knowing Psalm 23 off by heart, which is, I think that's a great thing too. And of course, you spend enough time with any particular psalm and, and it's going to come. Uh, and just a tip for our listeners, if you're if you're unaware, then uh, and you'd like to memorize a psalm, start with Psalm 117, the shortest of the psalms. <laughs> that might be a good way to to uh, to get going in that way. But uh, also like your thoughts, Father, on the whole idea of memorizing pieces of Scripture, whether they be from the Psalms or from otherwhere in the Scripture. What what help is that to our our developing our spiritual life? Memorization is fundamental to understanding because the the understanding of any text is not just in the literal but also in the deeper levels which only become real to us when we we soak in them when they're in our subconscious you mentioned psalm 117 which is the shortest psalm but there's all psalm 23 is only six verses long mm -hmm. i think here's a little homework for all of our readers uh, memorize these six verses of Psalm 23 so that you're in the car, you're uh, hiking, you're just about to fall asleep. You can say this, you can recite it from memory, and it's the last thing you hear as you drift off to sleep, perhaps. So there's a lot of knowledge that comes to us when we're not uh, you know, actively thinking or analyzing, but, but it comes to us kind of from the margins of our vision. If, if in the subconscious, so to speak. So memorization, not only of the Psalms, but one of my favorite texts is from Matthew 11, come to me all you labor and are burdened and I will give you rest. I often say that from memory when I'm doing a sick call as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pick a text and memorize it. 
I like to uh, I like to think of that, Father, in terms of uh, breathing. I think oftentimes prayer is described uh, as the the breath of the Christian. You know, the the follower after Jesus needs to needs to breathe prayer, needs to be in conversation all the time. As Saint Paul put it, we pray without ceasing. But uh, when we when we do when we re- memorize psalms or pieces of scripture, it seems to me that. Um, they do just what you're saying is they they tend to come back to us it's like breathing it becomes we can think about it and it it we can we can manage it when we think about it um but when we're not thinking about it it just continues to go on it continues to kind of run run in the backgrounds as it were which is a great gift mhm that's that's right yeah. yeah well um as we're nearing the end of the show here, Father, just uh, let me go back to where we started from and the uh, significance of the sacred scriptures in our prayer life. And just one more time, Father, in case people have tuned in late in the show, um, how might you suggest that people get started or what are some good ways to get started praying with the scriptures? Right. Well, as I mentioned, the, the Mass. So mm-hmm. I, the Mass is a treasure that we often don't realize that is... Uh, We'll go to Mass, warm a pew once a week. So the first thing about the Bible is engaging the Mass and not only listening attentively, maybe having the text in front of you with a missal or a missalette during Mass, but also reading before the Mass, mm-hmm. studying a little bit the uh, Gospel or the readings. Also, um, Bishop Barron, for example, has fine homilies that are very scriptural mm-hmm. and uh, he gets those out on his website, wordonfire.org, uh, by Tuesday or Wednesday of that week before the... So to listen to his homily, perhaps, or another homily before the Mass. And then the second thing is, as I said, to get a Bible that you love, that you like, and maybe start with a book, like maybe Jimmy Aiken's book, The Bible is a Catholic Book. Uh, you could read that as an overview to the whole 63 books of the Bible. Uh, other commentaries, Mike Schmidt's uh, Bible in a Day, uh, Jeff Caven's Great Adventure Bibles series. So there's a lot of resources to get an overview of the Bible before you actually drill down into the actual texts. Right, right. Wonderful. Great suggestions, Father. And I'm, we're all appreciative of all the wisdom that you have shared with us this hour. And as always, though, we'd like to end with a prayer and a blessing from you for all of our listening audience, if you would. Very good. Well, In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, dear God, we ask you to fill us with a love of your scriptures and a confidence that every word you speak to us is full of grace. And may the blessing of Almighty God be with all of our listeners in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our spiritual director today, Father Joseph Ilo from Star of the Sea Parish in San Francisco. So grateful that you joined us, Father. Thank you for being here and our spiritual director today. Tomorrow, looking ahead, we have Father Dave Heaney with us, and we are going to be talking appropriately about Eucharist or and or Thanksgiving, as Eucharist means. So please join us tomorrow at 11 a.m. Central for The Inner Life. Coming up right now, we've got the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. So great place to encounter the scriptures and the living word of God there in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Our celebrant today from the Chapel of the Nativity is Father Matthew Fawcett. Thank you so much for joining us here on The Inner Life. We pray that your day is filled with God's blessings and God's peace. Take care. We'll see you tomorrow.